It's our favorite time of the week as Raider great and radio analyst Lincoln Kennedy joins us on Unnecessary Roughness. And Lincoln Kennedy will be joining us in a matter of seconds. DeMond Cotton back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio is efforting him right now. We'll get Lincoln on to talk about what he saw from the Silver and Black on Sunday as he's there with Jason Horowitz in the booth. And I know Lincoln is a very proud member of the Silver and Black, so he, I'm sure, was not very thrilled by the by the performance or lack of performance by the Raiders on Sunday. So we'll get to Lincoln Kennedy. He joined JT the Brick and also Eddie Pascal earlier today for the Raiders Roundtable. You can hear that right here on Raider Nation Radio 920 right after Unnecessary Roughness is over. So right at 5 o'clock, if you have not already checked it out, you can check it out. It's also available on Raiders YouTube as well. So, uh, yeah, Eddie did a great job filling in for me, as I knew he would, and uh, I do appreciate that. So check that out coming up right after Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Now, while we're at Efforting Lincoln, let me go ahead and hit a couple of these texts real quick that we got at 69187, keyword R&R. DeMond will let me know when Lincoln is ready. Uh, Fargo Raider said, uh, great call, Bernard. However, this is the most talent we have on the active roster in a long time, as I can remember. No argument with the rest. Uh, just win, baby. That's from Fargo Raider going back to, uh, to, to Bernard's call right before we wrapped up hour number two. And, yeah, there's a lot of talent. And I even made the mistake of just saying that this team was super talented. There's a lot of top-end talent is the way I'd like to put it. Is, you know, the guys that are, are the ones, the ones are, are the ones and are really good, right? Obviously, Devontae Adams, Darren Waller went healthy. You know, I hate that I have to say that, but Darren Waller went healthy. And Andrew Brandt broke it down really well with us uh, yesterday on the show. He, he called them blues. He said the Raiders have a lot of blues, and they're not doing enough with it. You know, wide receiver is a blue. Running back is a blue. Uh, he said, uh, who else did he call a blue, DeMond? Um, oh, the uh, defensive end, talking about Max Crosby, is a blue. But he named about three or four different blues. So they, they have plenty of blues, and they just haven't, they just haven't put it all together. So uh, there, are, there is a lot of top-end talent. The, the problem that I see now that you're starting to see, I mean, now that the games are being played, it just looks like, it looks like the depth isn't there. So if one guy goes down like a Nate Hobbs, is there enough depth to go and really fill that void and feel comfortable about it? Not really. You know, if Denzel Perryman goes down for a couple games like he did earlier in the season, is there enough talent behind him? I like Luke Masterson. I like Darian Butler. But are they ready to go out there and play all the time? Hell, Devon Diablo struggled as far as I'm concerned this year. You know, so, I mean, there's a, a lot. I mean, Trayvon Merrick, a guy that I like out of TCU, he's coming back from hip, hip injury. You know, he had an opportunity to make a big play on Sunday. You know, that's the thing that has to happen. When you have an opportunity to make a big play, you've got to make that play, right? You've got to get your feet down. And, I, I, look, I know that would have been a hell of a play, but those are the, those are the difference makers. Those are, that's what would have, would, have, would have, you know, changed a little bit of momentum, given a little bit of juice. I realize the Raiders kind of lucked out and didn't end up giving up any points on that drive, but sometimes you just got to come up with that play that looks like it's impossible to come up with. You know, when it's right there, got to make that play. And he didn't make that play. And, and you know, so there's, there's a lot of criticism to go around. But it just seems like there just isn't enough, enough depth as far as talent goes. You know, the, the, talent, the talent pool isn't as deep as even I thought it was. So that's a, um, that's a good text and a really good call earlier from Bernard. We definitely appreciate that. Uh, Mailman Raider hit us up on the text line. The Saints game was a perfect example of the game is one in the trenches. Yeah, and that's another good point. And I forget who called earlier in the show, and he said he's been a fan for a really long time, turns 58 in, in January, and said, you know, 
Uh, it's been it's been the, the the trenches for a long time with the Raiders, right? The offensive line was getting blown up. I mean, they just they they put in their worst performance on on Sunday. They really did, and they've got to they've got to get that thing turned around. The defensive line didn't hit Andy Dalton at all, you know. So there was nine times the car got hit, zero times that Andy Dalton got hit. Now joining us on the phone lines as expected and as promised is our good friend Lincoln Kennedy. And Lincoln, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I'm I'm not quite in your neck of the woods, but I'm I'm in their neck of the state. <laughs> I'm in Tucson right now, Lincoln. So there you go. <laughs> you saw America coming home. Yes. Good. What's up, buddy? How you oh, you got it. You got it, man. I've been looking forward to this conversation with you, not because of uh, the performance that happened on Sunday, but I knew that you would break it down and let us know exactly what you saw being in the booth with Jason Horowitz on Sunday at the Superdome. From a player's point of view, Lincoln, when a team comes out and they don't have the juice, they don't have the energy, they don't have the look like they even want to, what does, what does that mean? What's going on in the locker room when that happens? To, to put it mildly, they didn't show up. They didn't come at all. <laughs> I'm surprised you, you, you call it a team. It, it wasn't. It wasn't a team effort. It wasn't a team effort. It was. Uh, it was the fact that the, the Raiders weren't there. Um, and and it's, it's just heartening, Q, when you think about it, because we've seen this team make such strides this season and offer such promise. Not to show up when they come to the Superdome. Not to show up when they come to New Orleans. Um, it, it's really disheartening when you look for the future or the rest of the season. It, it, it's promising. Well, well, it was promising. I don't know what, where we are right now. What does that mean about the week of preparation? Does that mean it was just a bad week? Yes, I guess you can chalk it up to that. It, it, look, I've, I've had some ass whoopings before. You know, I've, I've lost to some, you know, some bad losses when I when I played. Um, and you can sit there and say that you didn't show up or you didn't come. But what's, you know, you think about the season for the Raiders, the offer of such promise, what we thought we had, especially when you look at paper, on paper, what they were, um, not to show up is really disheartening. But, you know, I, I commend, you know, Josh McDaniels for coming out and accepting responsibility for a loss. In this press conference and saying, you know what, you know, this is my fault, this is on me, because it, he's right. It wasn't, it, it, it's not just on the coaches, it's on the players. Coaches coach, players play. But the thing is, is that um, the coaches didn't have these guys ready to play for whatever reason. And, and I don't know. Because I don't know, I don't know the, um, uh, the, 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 the system that's in that locker room. I don't know who. Or get these guys round up. I don't know what gets these guys round up. You would think as professionals, you're ready to play every weekend, right? and that's not true. That's not true. I've been in situations like that, but you know that's not true. And it's disappointing. It's really disappointing. And hopefully this week in you know Florida, we get these guys together so they can show us what they're capable of against Jacksonville, which is another game they should win. Right, absolutely. Again, we're talking with Lincoln Kennedy here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. DeMond's got one for you. Yeah, everyone said after the game to Josh McDaniels, Derek Carter, Devontae Adams, hey, we got to play better, you know, got to look at ourselves in the mirror. But what did you see actually watching the game as an analyst when it comes to the play calling of the schemes or maybe what the Saints just did so well? What went wrong when it comes to what actually happened on the field? The Saints had a plan to devoid everything the Raiders were able capable of. Whether it was one defense, whether it was stopping run or stopping Devontae Adams, and the Raiders had no answer. And and I honestly thought, Demond, that that the Raiders would make adjustments 
you know, as a game progressed, they didn't. So, you know, as an analyst, what's disappointing is that the players didn't execute well. That's, you know, but the coaches didn't make adjustments. It's called suit. And so, so like I said earlier, coaches coach, players play. If the coaches don't make adjustments for the players to be better, how can the players be better? More importantly, whatever the coaches call, the players didn't do a good job. So it was an all-around poor effort from the team, coaches, and everything else that, you know, this past Sunday against the Saints. So, Lincoln, you mentioned that, you know, you've taken some ass-whoopings before in your career. Following those ass-whoopings, it's important to have a bounce-back game. What, what, did, what did a Lincoln Kennedy, when that happened to you, what, what was your mindset the following week? Well, well I hated to lose. I, yeah. I had that mindset. I could not stand to lose. And, but, but here's the thing. Football is a great game because it's a team chemistry game. You cannot build on one individual. If I hated to lose and I went out there and I wanted to toss somebody around the next, the far week, I couldn't do it alone. So as a person that played on a team game, I tried to inspire the rest of my teammates to rise to that occasion. Oh, we hate to lose. Let's, let's hate to lose collectively. Right. We've got individuals like that on this team. When you watch Max Crosby, Crosby does everything he can. Mm-hmm. Or on a defense. Everything he can possibly do on defense to inspire the rest of them. It takes the other 10 guys to rise to the occasion on the defense. So yeah. it, it, that, that's, that, that's what's going to come down to you. It's going to come down to a team effort. Doesn't doesn't matter what the individual feels. It's going to matter. It, it, it's, it's going to come down to what the team collectively feels, and that's why this team, this, this time back in in Florida, and so important play, they face the Jaguars. You know, I wanted to ask you about the offensive line and what you saw from. Uh, def- uh, defensive court, uh, defensive, defensive-minded head coach Dennis Allen. What he did to really eliminate the Raiders' offensive line because they look like almost Swiss cheese on Sunday. Well, look, here's, here's the thing. This, this is one something I want to reiterate because I've talked about it extensively this, so far. We knew coming into the game, the offensive line was not as stable and it was porous. We we, we knew that. The, the run game kind of helped the stability of the offensive line, but here's the thing. The, the, the Saints loaded the box. They brought one more than the offensive line could bluff. And when they did that, they made the offensive line look even worse than it has been before. The offensive line has had issues protecting their car. With the, with the ability to run the football, we, you know, we gave praise to the offensive line and we said the offensive line is playing better. They, they still... That's not, not very good pass protection. They haven't been all year. We right. knew that. Right. The, the, the thing is with the offensive line is that um, in, in the offense, we knew that teams with a you know a capable front four can uh, can can address pressure, but you needed that balance. So what we saw from the Saints, they've got a front four that can just they don't have to bring a blitz. So they they, they have that front four that can address pressure. They took away the, the would-be receivers for the offense, and then Derek forced Derek to hold on the ball a little bit longer, which caused hits, which caused sacks. That is what it is. So, you know, going forward, this and then that's what's just so disheartening for me, here, because you know what you have. You know that teams are going to take away Devontae Adams. They're going to double cover. 
You don't have Darren Waller. They're going to double cover Devontae Adams. If if you have a structured quarterback like Derek Carr, who says, okay, this play is going to Hunter Hunter Renfro, this play is going to, supposed to go to Devontae Adams, and he doesn't have that option open, and he goes onto the ball, you're going to take hits. Right. So you can make adjustments. Right. Yep. You can no, make no. adjustments. You got. You got to. You have to fail, find a way to develop a plan for Matt Hollins or whomever else is out there that teams aren't expecting that aren't double covering because you don't have Darren Waller because you don't have those Josh Jacobs. You, you don't have that. You got to find a way. You can't be as predictable as the Raiders were because Dennis Allen took away all your options. Took away all your options collectively. Because we know what the routine is. We know what's to be expected. We know what they're looking for. And you've got a systematic quarterback who's going to go out there and say, okay, this place is to go to Devontae Adams. Oh, he's not open. Oh, what am I supposed to do? Oh, oh, sack. Hit. Oh, ouch. Oh, this play is supposed to go to screen. Well, they, they took the screen again. What, what am I supposed to do? Oh, oh. You've got to do better than that. That's coaching coach, coaches coach, and players play. Some, a question that I was asked on Twitter that I want to pass along to you is, why do we, as the text, as the person asked me, why do the Raiders ditch the run game so early in the game once they get behind? It wasn't, it wasn't a ditch to run game. First of all, you, get, you also have to play to what the tune of the game is. You're down a certain number of points. It's, it's not a you ditch the run game. It's like the only game way. When, when the Raiders bring in a fullback or an extra tight end, teams are going to match up. They're going to load up the box. If you don't have a plan and how to address that, then you know that that that's not an option. It, 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 when the when the run game goes away or when you can't get effective can can't get effective runs, you get behind the sticks, second down long, three to third down long. You got to try to pass to throw the ball. Well, now the teams know that you got to pass to throw the ball. They're they're, they're sitting on your would be receivers. It, it's it's there's no option there. Right, no doubt about it. Again, Lincoln Kennedy is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. So, Lincoln, earlier you said that, you know, you don't really know what to expect from this team. Uh, obviously, they're trying to have a bounce back this week against Jacksonville, a game that I believe they should win. But, again, you can't just count a should win. They've got to go out there and actually get the sure. victory. What do, you ex- what do you want to see from this team from here on out the rest of the season? You know, I, I would – kind of a loaded question, Q. <laughs> but, but I'll say this okay. uh, to, to try to put it all again. I would hope that this team becomes a team. Okay. Okay? Mm-hmm. There are individual efforts across the board. There are individuals that we pointed out we saw star potential throughout the season, throughout the season so far. The season's not lost to me because if they go on a run, they could probably resurrect this season. I know it's – a high task to ask, and and, and and of course the Raider Nation sit there like, oh, you know, whatever. No, it, uh, there's potential there, but this team needs to play as a team, not individuals. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, sense? I do. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. I think you hit it right on the head. Uh, there's there's individual talent on this team, but they need to actually, like you said, go out and play like a team. That makes that makes all the exactly. sense in the world. It it really does. That's exactly. Like, yeah. It, no also, doubt. it also comes down to the fact that the coaches need to coach this team. You can't coach individuals. You can't coach you know you know a, a, a couple of people who think that it's going to come together. For example, you know Josh McDaniels and the collective efforts on this offense 
need to create a team effort. So when they see somebody who's not playing well or someone who's taken out of the game, an individual is taken out of the game, I need to find a way to get more out of this team. Comes to play calling, comes to execution. It comes to all of that, man. It's a systematic sort of uh, a waterfall, if you will. It comes from the top and it flows to the bottom, and it has to happen for from from you know from execution. It has to happen from you know play calling, scheme. All of that has to come together because you create individuals to be better as a team, and and, and that's what we haven't seen. And that's definitely what we've been seeing this past Sunday. That's why we got there asking. Right. Simple. That's a great great way to drop the mic right there. Lincoln Kennedy, fantastic as always. Lincoln, we'll catch up with you on Thursday. We'll talk about the next game, which is the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, brothers. I'll talk to you soon. Be well. All right, there he goes. Lincoln Kennedy, great stuff right there. Uh, great way to drop the mic at the end, and I know we had a little connection issue uh, early on, but uh, really kind of cleared up towards the end, and uh, a lot of good stuff right there from Lincoln. We definitely appreciate it. But And I, I think he hit it on the head, Damon. I really do, and I know we got to take a break, but – there's talent on the team, individual talent. They need to be coached up and playing like a team. They need to work together. They can't work in individuals. They've got to work as, as he said, as a team. You're not going to win in the ultimate team sport, which is football, with a bunch of individuals. They've got to be a team. You say that, but I'm almost at the point where I'm with the Raider Nation when it's it's too little too late. Why is it taking to week eight for the team to still have these questions? And I know we don't have the answers for that, right. but in that locker room, why is that the case right now? Oh, I, I agree. That's a great that's a great question. I would love an answer on that, right? I mean, the team, it's so funny because a lot of folks have said, including myself, that, well, this week away from Vegas, maybe they can bond together as a team. Well, damn it, they were supposed to bond in training camp. Exactly, and it's so frustrating where Deron Harmon, when we had him on last week, he mentioned that it's going to be good for the team and the team bonding, but it feels like, that, like you said, this is a group of individuals, and I know you can only read into body language so much, but it doesn't even feel as if guys are saying, hey, I got my stats, so we're good. I know that's more of a basketball term, yeah, where someone yeah, yeah. says, hey, I got 20, but you know, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't my fault we lost. Right. But it feels like that this team is doing that, but it's not so much as guys are saying, as long as I get mine, it's just... The apathy of, hey, man, we tried our best, and I don't know what happened. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I, like, I like where you're thinking. I like what you're saying, really. I mean, because, again, they've got, to, they've got to be able to come together, and that's why the ones that get it done, and when I say about what Brian Dayball's done in New York, changing the culture, that team believes that they're a good team and that they can win games. They don't care who they're playing against. They don't care if they get down 17. They believe that they're still in the game. The good ones around the league, there's only a handful of good ones around the league as far as I'm concerned, but they all believe that they can win at every given moment. They all believe it, and they all believe in each other. They believe in the, the man next to them. That's what you've got to do. Good stuff, Damon. I, I, I think that was a great way to, to put it right there. 422 is the time. We'll come back, get a couple calls, get a couple texts, and then we'll talk to Western Oregon's head basketball coach, Wes Pfeiffer. Uh, he'll join us uh, coming up at 430. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. It's unnecessary roughness. The judge, Lester Hayes, joining us now. That's YQ. Of course, our team kept winning. Kept winning, Q, because of our training. You got to put in the work and the time and the perseverance and the patience to train your body and train your brain. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Coach Wes Pfeiffer will join us from Western Oregon. Head basketball coach, he'll join us at 430. 
Right now, I want to hear from you, 702-365-9200. We'll quickly go out to the Radio Nation listener line, talk to a guy, uh, Robert, in Portland. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Thank you. Uh, that was a great interview. I really enjoyed uh, hearing Lincoln tell it like it is. It's a long year. Raider fans need to know that. Um, I had earlier in the year them going 10, 10 and 7, and I had them losing at New Orleans because Kamala is uh, he's a, he's just a nightmare. And I said it last week at JT's when I called in. And, it, you know, he's it, just an impossible guy to cover. I think that um, what you're pointing out are all good things, but you got to remember the AFC is a train wreck this year. Indy lost again to Washington that outplayed them, and Sam Ellinger is playing. If they somehow win this game and don't let NTN kill them, which I think is probably going to happen, I I really believe they still have a chance that they can get by Jacks because going to Denver, uh, I think they're going to play their hearts out in, in Denver after that Indy game, and I think the Indy game is winnable now. That leaves the rest of the schedule. It's a tough backloaded schedule, but Pittsburgh is not as good as it was. KC will have already clinched their lead, you know, division. New England is New England. The Rams are struggling. I just think the key is to stay at seven losses, and I think that is possible still. And I think that if the Raider fans are, you know, really, really been around a long time like I have, you got to look at it. NFL is not like it. These offensive lines and, and defensive lines change every year. That's why you don't have – that's what the NFL wants. They want failure in teams every year. To bet. Like They won seven out of eight games, Q, last year when they were decided, you know, in the final, you know, final seconds. Right. Seven out of eight. Nobody does that two years in a row. This year they're 0-4 in those kind of games. Yep. I think if they turn that around, go four and four in those kind of games, and win win this road game this week will be the first road win. Uh, people will start seeing my vision. I think they can only lose seven though to still make it. I think they'll lose a tiebreaker if they, you know, they lose eight. That's my gut feeling. Or do you disagree? No, I'm, hey, look, I'm, I'm. Thank you for the call, by the way. Good stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that they can't do any of that, right? I, I had them pick winning ten or eleven games uh, when the season started. I don't like where they're at right now. Obviously, at two and five, and only having a small margin of wiggle room with those two losses, like you mentioned. I agree that they can't lose any more than seven to still have an opportunity. I just want to see before I start talking about postseason. I want to see them get on a streak and win a couple in a row. Like, I want to see them win this game against Jacksonville, then win that game against the Colts. Then you have your first winning streak of the season. Okay, build off of that. I I think it's really disheartening when we see the effort. I always talk about effort. Like, I can live with the guy who loses if their effort is at a maximum. But when I feel like that there was just no effort, that's when I start questioning what the hell's going on, if that makes sense. That, to me, the effort should never be a problem. Effort should not be something that has to be taught. Effort is something that should be understood, right? When you hit the field, it is everything you got. You leave it out there on the field. And that's what bothered me is really the most. I think the team, again, said it many times, has talent. I think the head coach is a really good play caller. Want to see it come together. Haven't seen it yet. 
I'm not saying that they're going to go on a streak and they're going to win 10 games and end up 10-7 and seven and uh, squeak their way into the playoffs. The other issue that the, the Raiders face, too, is they've lost a lot of AFC games, right? I mean, that's the other thing is these AFC games that they're losing, and I know that's not on Sunday, but, I mean, they've lost games in their division. They've lost games in the conference as well. That hurts because, as you said last year, all the games, how it boiled down to what it did at the end when the Raiders hosted the Chargers and won. Look at all those AFC games they had won. So that's also playing against them. If they were just losing NFC games, that'd be one thing. But, man, when you start losing conference games, I think, especially like you said, it's a mess. The conference is a mess right now. Nobody's really separated in, in, in football, right? I mean, no one's really separated. You know the Bills are really good. Chiefs, like you mentioned, they'll, they're going to win the division, right? But, I mean, outside of that, Miami's hot for a couple games, then they're not. There's other teams that are hot for it, like San Francisco looked really good the other day, but is that them consistently? I doubt it. Cowboys, defense looks good, but are they really good all the time? Uh, you know, look like Justin Fields and the Bears are going to come back. I mean, there's so many questions around the league right now. There's a couple teams that have separated themselves, and everyone else is just a big hogpodge just kind of sitting around, you know, waiting to be uh, a good team, and they haven't done that. So is it impossible? No, not at all. But they've got to show me something, man. They've got to show – and I, when I say me, I'm just talking about us in general as, as fans and, and media that covers the team. Go on a winning streak. Win a few games. Mailman Raider hit us up. Text line 69187, keyword r Q, nobody believed we could win those last four games last year. Nobody will believe we could win 9 out of 10 this year. I'll put it on the atmosphere. We need some good vibes. Raiders win 9 out of 10. They're 11-win team, and that's from the Mailman Raider, and we'll uh, get back to that text and address that in just a few minutes. But joining us now on the phone lines, pleased to have Coach Wes Pfeiffer from Western Oregon. He's the head basketball coach. And, Coach, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. Your team, Western Oregon, is here in Tucson. I'm here in Tucson, the exhibition game with 17th-ranked Arizona. How big is this experience for your team heading into the 2022 season? What's up, Q? I appreciate you having me on, man. Absolutely. Uh, and I also appreciate you uh, traveling to Tucson with us and everything. It means a lot. We have a lot of parents there tonight as well. Um, you know, for us, it's almost a once-in-a-lifetime experience for these guys. You know, they've always dreamed about the brightest lights, and we got guys on our team that I think will be able to play professionally. But to go against, you know, a rightfully ranked number seven team in the country, number 17 team in the country, is really pivotal for our program and huge for our guys, too. When it's an exhibition game like this, you know, and you know that you're about to get ready for the regular season, you know, how much can, as far as experience and even just kind of understanding the game more, can the players take away from this game that you're going to have this evening? Yeah, you know, I would say a great deal. You know, we schedule these exhibitions because you want to give them basically like a snapshot on what does game preparation look like for you, game week. You know, how are you going to travel? What times are you going to eat? Scout and report the importance of that. So it gives you like a really uh, a first live run at it. And that's how we're going to take our first two exhibitions. We have another one on Saturday. So to have it against Arizona um, and already having scrimmage Oregon State, I expect a great deal of focus from the guys. And they were really, really jacked to go. So I'm excited to see what we do tonight. Yeah, I have no doubt about it. Just getting into the arena, you know, seeing, like you said, the bright lights, seeing the scoreboard. What were the players' reaction when they first walked into the gym and realized, wow, we're here? Um, you know, I think a lot of it was shock. You know, sometimes <laughs> these guys haven't seen a building like that, you know, maybe since AAU and yeah. never played in a venue like that. So the first thing that happened was 
guys started taking out their phones and taking pictures and taking videos and sending them back home and <laughs> putting them on their Instagram and things of that nature. Um, and and Mikel is a beautiful facility. They mm-hmm. completely uh, overtook it to the point where now it's one of the top venues in the entire country. Uh, they got padded level seating all the way up to like where the 15,000 fans sit at. So it's an amazing venue for the guys that are going there tonight. Uh, we fully expect it to be packed. You know, they had their red-blue game last week, and I think the final tally for attendance was about 13,000. So I know they'll be thirsty for blood playing against a new opponent. <laughs> I right. think we're all kind of at that point where you practice a long time against yourself, so you're ready to play somebody else. So I know those guys be jacked to go. Yeah, absolutely. Again, Coach Wes Pfeiffer is our uh, guest right now here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. He is Western Oregon's head basketball coach. And, Coach, last season your team went on a really good run at the end, uh, made a deep run into the conference tournament. Now you got another recruiting class under your belt. Uh, how, how excited are you for this upcoming season? How much have you seen this team grow from even the end of last season? Yeah, you know, I've seen a tremendous amount of growth, and, and that excites me a lot, you know. We had some growing pains early on, but when we went on our run in the conference tournament, um, we started to have a little continuity with our starting lineup and then the guys who would have come off the bench. And what I think they did was give us great balance, like guys knowing kind of when they were going to get in the game, guys kind of figuring out what their minutes and what their role were going to be. And I thought it helped us down the stretch. And what we try to do is we try to build on that momentum. I thought every single guy in our program had a heck of a summer to go along with that. And now – you know, with us going all the way to the semis and having that four starters from that team and 13 guys back to kind of know and understand the expectation is going to be used for us pushing forward. You know, Coach, we always we talk football here all the time, and, you know, we talk about effort and, and lack of effort. And, and, you know, I can live with a loss, but I can't, I can't live with, you know, no effort. When you see a lack of effort, just from a, a coach's point of view, what, what, how, did, how do you take that? What's your approach after that when you see, wait a minute, my team's not putting out the effort that I expect from them? Yeah, you know, first I'd be disappointed in individuals. You know, I think lack of effort sometimes shows lack of – acceptance of your role and lack of acceptance of the best teams are selfless like understanding that it's not always about you as an individual it's about the team goals so when I see lack of effort I usually attribute that to something like somebody is not bought in fully to their role or what the coaching staff is asking them to do um and it's something that just can't happen you know as a coach you want your team pushing forward on all cylinders and if we got one guy out there that's not giving maximum effort it's going to hurt the whole unit Absolutely. Well, how about Cam Cranston, senior guard? He's the ultimate leader of your team on and off the court. I mean, the dude's fantastic. How much growth have you seen from him, his time at Western Oregon? No, I mean, Cam is night and day from where he was when, when I took over as a player and as a leader. You know, he's, he's changed his body completely. He's lost about 20 pounds, and he's slimmed himself up to be quicker and more athletic. Uh, he stayed religiously in the gym, you know, constantly being in the gym, getting an extra work. And I think his biggest transformation is the leader. You know, I think our team right now has great peer leadership. And to me, what that means is everybody knows my expectation for our team. But when it's in your best player's mouth that we have a standard and anything under that is not acceptable, I think you have a chance to be special. And I think that's what our leadership has had behind Cam and in a couple of other guys. We've used the word uncomfortable a lot in this offseason. We comfortable we feel like gets you beat so we want to remain uncomfortable in everything we're doing that's how we ran and that's in our leadership too because sometimes it's hard to tell the guy beside you like 
we need you to pick it up. But sometimes it's, it's much needed. And Cam and a couple other guys give us a very good push there. No doubt. Here we go. We're talking with Coach Wes Pfeiffer, Western Oregon head basketball coach here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So, uh, Coach, game tips off tonight at 7 o'clock. Uh, I'm excited to be in attendance to be able to check it out, see what the team looks like. And, you know, just obviously you're going up against the 17th-ranked team in the country in Arizona. But what are, what do you want to see? What are you looking for from your team tonight? Uh, you know, the first thing I'm looking for is to c- compete at a very, very high level. Um and execute as well. Those are my try my two big things I'm going to look for on guys. You know, what our team has now bought into is what we call basically like the process. Like everything happens, but it happens slower than a lot of people think. Mm-hmm. Our goal is to win a GNAC championship, but we can't win it tonight and we can't lose it tonight. But what we can do is take a step forward against great competition. So I'm looking for us after these 40 minutes, like about 9.45, that we can look each other in the face and as a staff and as players and make sure that we've taken advantage, full advantage of this opportunity and we've gotten better because of it. How tough is it to preach the process to 18-year-olds and 19-year-olds who at one point in time were probably the best of the best and now they're learning how to, again, accept the process and grow together as a team? You know, I, think, I just think it has to be a repeated message. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you as a leader, you have to be really, really creative in how we do it. Like any time that I would see um, like a clipping or like a Kevin Durant talked about the process a little bit with Brooklyn and their chemistry, I would clip that out and just put it in the guys' lockers. And we constantly talk about it. And we also – we always want to catch our guys doing right. So if one of our teammates falls down and we got four guys to go sprint and pick them up, that's huge for us. If we got one guy who's getting uncomfortable with his leadership and another guy is, is kind of taking it and not taking it bad, like trying to respond, we always try to clap that up. That's good for us. So I think when you're talking about the process, you have to be intentional, but it has to be almost everyday thing that you're talking about it and being honest with the assessment of exactly where you are. And I think tonight we'll have another honest assessment of where we are and where we need to get to. Talking again with Coach Wes Pfeiffer here on Raider Nation Radio 920. He is the Western Oregon head basketball coach. My man DeMond's got one for you. All right, Coach. I always like to go to someone's Twitter and maybe get something there that I can draw from. And on June 5th, you tweeted, I just might show these young boys something about fashion at next year's Wolfies. So I know you got a bunch of college students, but are you saying you're the best-dressed person on the team? Yeah, I feel like I am. You know, I think that <laughs> the, new, the, the new generation, their swag's a little bit different. You know, I'm more of a you know, put on a tuxedo and having nice sitting than, than my guys. So we always, I dress up for work every day, like, you know, a suit and a tie, and they always rag on me, but it's always a good time. So when I see those guys like Q, he loves wearing shades and all these other, like, side strap arm things, and we just laugh at each other and kind of pull it together. Um, but once again, it just makes us closer. I think the thing that's happened with us, we bonded, and I think we had to spend a lot of time together, but it was also – like, I'm in charge of our program, and I think everybody knows that, but my job is not more important than Cameron Cranston's job or Q's job as our point guard. Neither one is more important. We all have to be doing our jobs at an elite level, and I think that's one of the things that's helped us. Like, we kind of we laugh and we're able to joke each other and just keep it moving. Well, Coach, you know I got to ask, before I let you go, I got to ask, uh, how have you seen young Q's game grow? Uh, my man, Damon, who just asked you a question, I keep telling him that me and Q are going to take him and whoever at 2-on-2 and we're going to take him out. But <laughs> how, 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 much have, how much have you seen young Q's game grow since being there? Yeah, you know, he's grown tremendously. Not only as a player, but um, 
just as a person and as a leader as well. You know, I tell him all the time, like, I play the position. I'm probably the hardest on my point guards because you have to lead. You're forced to lead in that position. You have to know all five guys on the, on the course jobs. And you have to be able to be vocal and accountable to hold them to do that. And I thought, like, towards the end of the year, it's kind of when Q broke his shell. And, you know, for me and Q, we have a really good relationship. And for me, I brought him along really slow because I felt like he could be special. So I would sit him for almost any mistake that he would make. And that's, once again, that's part of the process. You know, you can't give it to him too fast. Mm-hmm. And then as he grew as a leader and as a person and started gaining the trust of the other guys, I was able to do that. And he was another guy. He had a really good summer. You know, when he came here, he told me flat out, like, Coach, I hate the weight room. But since then, he's put on about 20 pounds. And now when guys used to be able to bump him off his mark on a drive, he's dishing out as much contact as he's taken. He's taken a, a huge step forward as a willing scorer and a shooter, something he's always had in him. But we just had to drag out on him because he's such an unselfish kid. Um, I think the sky's the limit for him. I'm happy he's on our side, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do tonight against Arizona. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, him saying he's uh, he hates the weight room, he is definitely his daddy's child on that one because uh, I, was never, I was never a fan of the weight room either, Coach, so uh, I could, I'll take that one on me. That's, that was my fault. Let me ask you this before I let you go, though. You talked about you guys uh-huh. being really close. He came to see me this summer, and my man's doing his own laundry. He's cooking for himself. He's taking all responsibilities. What are you doing to him? You're teaching him to be an adult? What's going on there? <laughs> yeah, you know, the whole thing about the whole thing about us, I have a unique position where I can impact these guys in their 18 to 22 year old stage. So for me, that's something that I don't take lightly. And that's becoming like, what kind of husband is this person going to be? What kind of father? And then what kind of leader? Um, so we stress to those guys like independence and things of that nature. So for him, doing all those things, we always said during the recruiting process, we wanted to add layers of leadership to him. Um, but I think that's just one of those things like that kind of comes with the territory. You start learning how to figure it out for yourself sometimes. And even in practice sometimes, I would give these guys all the answers. You know, sometimes I tell them to huddle. As much as y'all, the Raiders huddle, I tell our guys to huddle and get on the same page all the mm-hmm. time. And I think that's him growing as a man. And I'm super-duper proud of it. And I think he has more in the tank that we're still going to get out of him. There you go. Well, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see your team tonight. Really am. Uh, it's going to be my first opportunity to see you guys in person and here in Arizona. It's going to be great, and I know it's going to be a great experience for you and the team. And like I said, I look forward to it. Coach, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I do appreciate you. I know you got to get ready for a game. I'll see you this evening uh, at the gym. All right, I appreciate you. I'll see you later, man. All right, there he goes. Coach Wes Pfeiffer right there, Western Oregon head men's basketball coach, also the coach of Lil' Q. That's one of those bucket lists right there. You can go ahead and, and write that down. Never thought that I would interview my son's coach on the radio. Didn't know, didn't, didn't know that my son was going to have a coach to talk to on the radio, right? Didn't know, you don't know how things are going to go. That's awesome. That was an awesome experience right there. Now, uh, now, now all I got to do, I always had a dream when, uh, when I started doing like sports radio that I wanted to call one of his games. And so I'm not obviously calling his game. I'm not on the broadcast for his game, but to coach or talk to his coach before, before a game is, is almost like the pregame show, right? So that's kind of cool. So that was a, a nice little bucket bucket list moment for me. So there you go. No, and that was the, fantastic. No, it was fun. It was fun. And I think I think just taking the coaching aspect of it and listening to what he says about the process and fans hate hearing process. I hate hearing process. I mean, it's just one of those things. It's uh, growing up. I always heard people say, "Well, just stick to the process." Q stuff. No, I hate, no one likes the process because the process is exactly that. It's a process. It takes time. We all want something instant. We want it now, right? 
I hate, I hate having to be patient for anything. I'm probably the worst person when it comes to patience, but I get it. You got to have it, and that's how teams are built. Football teams, basketball teams, baseball teams, it's all through process. Many thanks to Coach Wes Pfeiffer for joining us there, uh, sharing a few minutes of uh, his time this afternoon with us before they get ready for their game versus Arizona. 4.46 at a time. We'll take a quick break, come back, close out the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Just got a few minutes left in today's show. Had a lot of great guests on the show. Starting off with Vinny Bonsignor, who was fired up from the morning tailgate, and also the RJ was real fired up. It was great to hear that. John McClain from gallerysports.com joined the show, talked all things NFL, including the trade deadline, which was crazy today. Ten deals made before the trade deadline. That was just wild. We talked to Lincoln Kennedy earlier in the show, Raiders radio broadcast, obviously a multiple-time pro bowler with the silver and black, offensive lineman. He joined us, and then we just wrapped up a conversation with head coach Wes Pfeiffer of the West Oregon basketball squad. The Wolves will be in action this evening. That's why I'm in Tucson, Arizona, to see them take on Arizona, the Wildcats, the 17th-ranked Arizona Wildcats. So I'm excited just to be there and see how it all shakes out. But before we take it to the phone lines real quick, I wanted to pass this along. You know, we always talk about draft capital and what to do with draft capital. And if you have multiple first-round picks, what you could do with it. And, you know, the Raiders were in this position a few years ago when they uh, had three first-round picks and they ended up with Clee Farrell, Josh Jacobs, and Jonathan Abram. Not going back to try to poo-poo on that, that draft at all. Not doing that. Just saying how teams, multiple teams could do different things with their picks when they have a lot of draft capital. It gives you so much flexibility, you can get creative with it. Look at what the Miami Dolphins have done. They had three first-round picks that they got from the 49ers in the Trey Lance deal. What did they do with those three picks? They traded up for Jalen Waddell, who was number 21 overall. They, that was in 20, or excuse me, that wasn't, he wasn't number 21 overall. That was in 2021, excuse me. And then this year, they traded to a first-round pick for Tyreek Hill with the Chiefs, and then they just traded the first, uh, another first-round pick to the Broncos for Bradley Chubb. So with their three first-round picks that they picked up from the 49ers in the Trey Lance deal, they ended up with Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill, and Bradley Chubb. Again, just showing the creativity that you can get when you have multiple draft picks. So that's why a day like today was so massive when you see so many teams make moves and so much draft capital leave, leave organizations and go to the other organization, it's just like, man, what is that team, what are they thinking about doing come April? All right, Q, and something else that you can trace it back even further, this is all a part of the tree. I'm looking at an article now yeah. of the Laramie Tunsil trade. Yeah. It can yeah. all be traced no, back to you're that. right. <laughs> yes. And the only reason they ended up with Laramie Tunsil, uh, Tunsil excuse me, is because he was – he was caught on film with a bong, a bong mask around his face, and so on draft day he dropped. And you know who picked him up? Miami. Hey, yeah. Larry Tunsil. Like yep. I've seen a bunch of tweets from Dolphins Twitter, like they they're going to erect a statue for him. Yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> Hell, he was the guy that many people thought was going to get traded as well today from Houston. But Houston was smart and they held on to him. But yeah, that's funny. That tree goes all the way back. To Laramie Tunsil. Good, hey, good one, Damon. I like that. Good stuff. 702-365-9200. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick and talk to our guy, uh, Raider Dave in Denver. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Hey, Q. Thanks for uh, saving the best for last. Congratulations on uh, being able to head to my native town. Nice. Two stoned Arizona and go watch your kid play. If you want some <laughs> character, go walk across campus and go to Bear Down Gym where the Wildcats used to play in the 70s under Snowden. Anyway, there's a couple things you need to grab, and one is an EG's hot Italian grinder six-inch sandwich. 
and a slushy. Uh, I like pina colada. You may like lemon. And get yourself a Sonoran dog somewhere at a food truck somewhere. Okay. Hey, my one question for you, though, is what was wrong with the Devontae Adams catch along the left sideline? The, what did the, they see that none of us saw on that catch? I that's don't understand a, why they did not award it. Yeah, that was that was the one that the head coach Josh McDaniels challenged, right? I think he, maybe he did, and they still didn't get it. And I yeah. just don't understand why. And TV didn't show very much of it. Right. Thank, thank you for the call. I do appreciate it. Yeah, you know what? That call was very – it looked like to me that he caught the ball, and it looked like from the angle that I could see, it looked like he had uh, both feet in bounds. It looked like there was some green on the uh, left side of his foot. But, again, they didn't show – you're right. They didn't show so many angles. And I wonder with all the camera angles that they have, why they couldn't show one that was right along the sideline like that and see if, if his foot indeed was in or out. And it really – I think they didn't award it because, like they said, they, they didn't confirm that it wasn't a catch. They just couldn't have enough evidence to overturn it. But I, I did question that multiple times. At first, I thought, oh, yeah, there's no doubt he's out. And then when they showed the replay, I was like, well, it kind of looks like there's a little bit of green similar to that old Michael Crabtree catch in the end zone and against the Chargers. Remember when they saw a little bit of blue? It, it felt like that there was a little bit of that there. But, I mean, my guess is as good as yours. I, I just think that they didn't have enough uh, evidence to overturn it. But I thought that there was a good challenge by head coach Josh McDaniels. Thank you so much for that call. Thanks for the tips as well. Uh, we're going to take off. We're going to head on down to campus and see what we can see and get ready for this game at 7 o'clock tipping off. So Raider Nation will be back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio tomorrow at 2 o'clock on Raider Nation Radio 920. Have a good night. This is JT from Modelo, an official cerveza of the Las Vegas Raiders, brewed as a model of what good beer should be. Modelo Especial is